God, if that doesn't make you want to shout, your shouter's broke. Amen. Broke, slap in two. Hallelujah. Thank God. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for Calvary, none of us would be here tonight. Isn't that right? Thank God. I'm glad when I get to heaven, I won't be able to claim anything I've done or anything I've been. But I've come by the way of the shed blood of Calvary and the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm so glad I'm not going to hell tonight. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, I've been born again, set free, saved by the good grace of God. Amen. Doesn't it feel good to be saved? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You know, it's easy to go to church with people that act like they want to be there. Aren't you glad that you don't belong to some lifeless, dead, liturgical mess? Well, you come in on a Monday night and that choir gets cranked up and the quartet, a little touch on them, a few hallelujahs here and there. I'll tell you, that'll make you want to go to church, won't it? Man, what a great, what a great, what a great start to the service. Opening night of revival, but you've already been having revival in school. And I tell you, if the kids get right, that'll spread everywhere right there. Uh, and I know, I know Brother Gravity has said this, but you know, young people, they can take preaching a lot better than older people can. Older people get offended and get all twisted up. Young people don't care. They don't care. You just preach as hard as you want to them. They just sit there and just take it. No, they may not live it, but they'll take it. They'll take it. Older folks won't live it or take it, huh? But I know that you've been having a good meeting and, and, and a good start, and I'm honored to be here. Brother Gravity, thank you for letting me come and have a part in this meeting. Uh, we just had our Jubilee last week, Emerald Coast Jubilee. Ours is a lot scaled down from yours, but still it's a lot of work and takes a lot out of you. And it seems like that the Sunday after Jubilee is always um, hangover. It's what it seems like. Everybody comes in church and they're tired and wore out and, and uh, that's what yesterday was for us. It's just a time just to recuperate. We, uh, we lost a member. We gained a member yesterday, so we broke even yesterday. So that was a pretty good day for us. But uh, glad to be here tonight and trust that the Lord will help us in these nights. First Kings chapter 5 tonight. First Kings chapter 5. I came up the road with a message in my heart. I felt like I knew what the Lord would have me to preach. But just a few minutes sitting over there and looking at folks coming in. It seems like that the Lord has redirected my thoughts tonight. So 1 Kings chapter 5 tonight. Now begin reading in verse number 1. And the Bible says that Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon. For he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father. For Hiram was ever a lover of David. Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that David my father could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God for the ways which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurring. Behold, I purpose to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God as the Lord spake unto David, my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. I want to preach tonight for just a little bit on what it takes to build a great church. 
First Kings chapter five tells us about Solomon building the temple. Solomon was a great king. He was a great builder. His greatest accomplishment by far was building this temple. You may remember that the children of Israel had spent all of those years wandering in the wilderness and they came out of Egypt and Moses had given them a tabernacle. The tabernacle was a glorified tent, basically. It was the meeting place where they met with God. And that tabernacle had served well for a time when they were a nomadic people, but they were not that any longer. And Solomon gets under a burden to build something greater than the tabernacle. That temple that he builds would be the church, I use that word loosely, for Israel for the next 400 years. You understand that there wasn't a church building in every village this is before the time of the synagogues. This is the single place where people come to worship God. And I won't go into all of the details, but it's the most magnificent building that had ever been built. The Bible talks about how the Queen Sheba came from afar to see it. The Bible says that it literally took her breath away. And so chapter five and six are about the construction of that temple. You read about builders and gold and silver. It would take seven years, thousands of workers to complete it. And it tells you that it takes a lot of work and a lot of workers to build a church. This past year, we celebrated our 43rd anniversary at our church, Victory Baptist Church. And our 43rd anniversary was my 25th anniversary. I've been there for 25 years. And the church surprised us with a big party and, and a tribute video and all kinds of gifts. And, and, and they really, really went overboard. But the Lord has blessed us with, with a great church. We've got good music. We've got a great spirit. We've got a lot of good preachers that come through. Right now, we're going through a little growth spurt. And we're kind of like you. We're pretty much packed out. And I'm blessed to pastor some of God's best people. And when you hit a landmark like 25 years, it puts you in a reflective mood. You look back, but you also look forward. I know that I would sure like to have accomplished more in the next 25 years than I did in the first 25 years. It helps you appreciate the history because over time, you forget some of the things that God has done in that place. I don't know the history of this church, but this church has been here for a long time. And if pews and walls could talk the stories that these pews could tell, if you would think about the people that have been saved in this very building, if you would think about the lives that have been changed, the families that have been rescued sitting in these very pews, think of how God has changed your life in this building. There have been times when you've sat here and you've heard some preacher get up and he has preached some truth and your heart got so full that you thought that it was going to burst. And I say that to say that you are blessed tonight to have a great church. I have been to some churches that are so full of trouble and backbiting and the pastor really was looking for a way to get out. And the poison of gossip and slander had, had torn it all apart and the service was dead and the, and, and the church was empty and, and, and the baptistry was full of flowers because nobody was using it anymore. It is hard to go to church when the spirit of defeatism has set in, but that hasn't happened here. We've got a great church. I've been to some churches that had a heritage of old-time religion, but a young pastor came in. And he decided that we we're gonna take this once great church into a 
more modern, liberal, progressive, trendy, hip kind of direction and, and they're building a huge crowd but they're not building a great church and they have substituted the power of God for an emotional show but everybody knows that it's staged, that it's, it's faked, it, it's, it's ginned up and, and everybody comes to church casually and modesty has gone out the window and nobody can preach the Bible anymore. You're not allowed to say anything against any sin. That's not here. You've got a great church. And I know that God builds the church. I understand that. But God uses people to build the church. What you have here tonight is not the work of a preacher. It's the work of people. If you have any part in Bible Baptist Church as a member, if you put your tithe here, if you support missions here, if you go out soul winning, if you keep the nursery, if you have any part in this church, then you are being used of God to build what is here. This would not be here if you weren't here. And you might think that it's not a big part that you play, but it's probably bigger than what you think. You see, a church is simply a body of believers that are gathered together for New Testament purposes and, and the people take on the character of the church and the church takes on the character of the people. The church is like the people that are in it. So if everybody in the church is a compromiser, that's the kind of church that you're gonna have. If everybody in the church is carnal, that's the kind of church that you're going to have. But you've got a great church and the reason why is because you've got some great people here because it takes great people to build a great church. I was thinking about our church and I was thinking about our blessings in the future. And I come to a passage of scripture that seems to relate to that particular thought. I thought about Solomon and the temple. And we talk about Solomon building the temple, but you understand Solomon didn't build the temple. I don't know if Solomon did anything physically, but it was Solomon and the people. There are workmen, there are craftsmen, there are people that gave the material. There are people whose names that you will never read. There are people who didn't realize that they were part of something that was great. There are people who didn't think that their part was really important, but God used those people to build that temple. And Solomon and the people built a great house of God. And there is a picture there of what it takes to build a church today. Here's what I want to do tonight on opening night. I want to simply make a parallel. It's not a type. It is a parallel. And what I want to say is that this looks like this. And the kind of people that it took to build the temple is the kind of people that's going to take to build the church. Look, if you would, in chapter 5 and verse 1, here's the first thought. It's going to take people, first of all, with a continual love of the Father. Amen. Look at verse 1. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon. For he'd heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father. Catch this phrase. For Hiram was ever a lover of David. Hiram is the king of Tyre. That's the four far north end of Israel. Tyre was a port city of the Mediterranean and under Tyre, it had become a very thriving commercial center and, and Tyre was known for, for its timber, especially their cedar trees. And what you read is that Hiram sent timber and he sent gold and he sent workers to Solomon to help in building the temple. Wait a minute, Hiram wasn't a Christian. Hiram doesn't worship God. He doesn't believe in the God of Israel. So why is Hiram a pagan 
Why is he donating material to build the temple? Well, it's in that last phrase. For Hiram was ever a lover of David. Hiram and David had developed a close friendship and Hiram wanted to help Solomon simply because he was the son of David. Can I say it like this? He loved the father and because he loved the father, he loved the son and because he loved the son, he loved the temple. And for God to use you to build his church, it is gonna take people who have a love for the Father, who love God with all of their heart. There are some people that just wanna tear down and sow discord and cause trouble, but if you love the Father, you will love the church. By the time that 1 Kings 5.1 is written, David's been dead for a year, but Hiram still Loved David. He still appreciated David. And when he heard that Solomon is building this temple, he said, I want to be involved because I remember the friendship that I had with your father. I, I loved your father and I want to help. Can I tell you, Bible Baptist Church, that the greatest thing that you can do for this church is not love your pastor, though you should. The greatest thing that you can do for this church to move it on to another generation is to be in love with God. If you love God with all of your heart, You'll want to be here. You'll want to be a part of what's here. You will love this place. When we begin to slip out and to skip away and slide back, it's not because you lost the love for the church. It's because you lost the love for the Father. I think that sometimes we pastors can get frustrated as preachers trying to get our people to live right and to be faithful. And if we're not careful, sometimes our preaching can, can go over into the area of browbeating. I'm going to beat these standards in you if it's the last thing that I do. But you don't have to do that with people that love God. I tell you that when your service, when your surrender, when your holiness comes not because some preacher has beat it into you, but when it comes because you just love God and you just want to please, you don't have to be beaten into you. 1 John 5 and verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. If I've ever read a verse that I thought was not true, it is that verse right there. His commandments are not grievous. But I'm gonna tell you something. I have met some Baptist folks that got grieved at the commandments of God. I mean, I have stood, and every preacher has stood, your preacher has stood, and he's preached something. He just preached the commandments of God, and he preached it straight, and somebody got upset, somebody got offended, somebody got bent out of shape, somebody got all twisted up. They got grieved at his commandments. So you have to add a qualifier to that statement, and the verse before is the qualifier, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, everyone that loveth him, loveth him that begat him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. This is the love of God. His commandments are not grieved. You've got to add the qualifier right there. See, that verse is not just for everybody. That's for those who are in love with God. And if you don't love God, you'll find yourself getting offended every other service. You'll find that many of his commandments are grievous to you. But I tell you that if you love the Father, you could go to the mission field and burn your life as, out as a candle to rescue the lost, and that would not be grievous to you. I tell you that if you've got a love for the Father, you could, you could submit to the word of God and say it'll be the guide to my life no matter how it crosses me. That would not be grievous to you. I tell you that if you love the Father, you could suffer ridicule 
and shame and scorn and be persecuted for his name's sake and that would not be grievous to you. And I say tonight that if you know that your heart is not like it ought to be, that your love for the Father has grown cold, it is not because he did something wrong. The only reason that your heart grows cold is when you allow your heart to love something else beside the Father. Some other interest, some other desire, some other ambition. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him to the degree that you love the world would be the degree that you don't love God. I love our church. I do. I love it. But I'll tell you why. It's because I love the Father. And I love the Son. He gave his life for the church, so I love the church. I believe tonight, I believe with all of my heart that I am standing before a church of people that loves God and loves Jesus Christ and loves the Bible and you love your preacher and you love the church and this is here tonight. This is here tonight because there are people here tonight who have a heart of love for the Father. If you're going to build a great church, it takes people who have a continual love of the Father. I'll give you a second thing from the text tonight. Look at verse 3. Solomon said to Hiram, thou knowest how that David, my father, could not build a house until the name of the Lord is God. For the wars which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. It takes not only people who have a continual love of the Father, but it takes people who have conquered the flesh. You know David wanted to build that temple God wouldn't let him. And here's the reason why. David was a man of war. For 30 years of his reign, he's always at war. David didn't have any peace in his kingdom. He's always fighting a battle. Somebody counted, I didn't count, somebody counted nine major wars during his reign. And I'm drawing a parallel here tonight. You know why God can't use some people to build his church? Always fighting, always at war, never conquer the flesh. They're either at war with sin or they're falling to temptation or they're falling to some vice or they're at war with a brother or a sister across the way. And I know that we all have battles that we have to fight, but every once in a while you ought to get a little bit of victory. And if you keep fighting the same sin and the same temptation and you never get victory over it, God can't use you to build the church. There's people tonight that are sitting in good churches just like this and they want God to use them. And maybe the church needs a Sunday school teacher or maybe we need a jail preacher. But maybe the church needs a youth worker. And here's what the pastor does. He sits here and he looks out over the congregation and I know that I need a Sunday school teacher for that junior class and I, I know that I need a lady to head up that, that ministry and I wonder who, no, no, I can't. I better not ask him. And I, what, 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 no, man, I, boy, I, boy, he could do it, but I, I better not ask him. I, I just I wonder who. No, no, too, too many battles there. No, no, boy, they, no, no, not enough convictions right there. No, no, they've, they've never conquered. They've never con- conquered anything. They're crossed up. Their spirit is all messed up. And I say that if you've never conquered the flesh, if you never get any victory, God can't use you. You love God. You love the church. 
But you've got to have some victory in your life. You've got to have some peace in your life. If you are still at war, battling sins that you've been battling for the last 20 years, you're probably going to sit by the side and watch God use somebody else. You'll have to conquer the flesh. You'll have to die to self. You'll have to get some victory over those carnal desires. Is it not true? Is it not true that the higher God takes you, the more he requires of you? This level of surrender is sufficient for this level of service. But if God would do more with you, it's going to require more. If God would put his hand on a young preacher boy in this church and call him to preach, he may require a dedication out of you that he does not require of other people. And I wonder what fleshly thing are you holding on to that makes God pass you by when he needs another preacher, when he needs another missionary, when he needs another Sunday school teacher. and And I don't want there to be any sin in my life that robs me of the power of God. I don't want God to look at me and say, you're still fighting the same sins. You're still falling to the same temptations. You're you're still succumbing to the same thing. You don't have any victory. You've never conquered the flesh. I I can't use you. David wants to build a temple, but he's got bloody hands. I tell you who it takes. It takes people who have conquered the flesh. I'll give you a third thing from the text. Would you look at verse 5? What does it take to build a church? It takes people who have a continual love for the Father. It takes people who conquer the flesh. It takes people who are committed to the pattern. Look at verse 5. Behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord spake unto David, my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house under my name, do you know where the plans for the temple came from? Came from David. David had the burden. David had the vision for the temple and David actually drew the plan for the building. Solomon took the pattern of his father and he built it according to the pattern of his father. The blueprint came from his father and he built, can I say it like this? He built it the way that his father would have built it. You can build a crowd with emotionalism and manipulation and rock bands and gyrating girls on the platform, but I'm gonna tell you something, you won't build this with that because this takes a people who are satisfied with the pattern that was set by an older generation. We're not looking for something new. We're not looking for something trendy. I'm not looking for something hip. No, just give me a King James Bible. That's good enough for me. Just sing the old hymns to me. That's good enough for me. Just give me a preacher that'll preach it hot and hard. That's good enough for me. We have a generation of men that are behind us that drew the blueprint. They made out the pattern and I'm going to tell you it worked for them and it'll still work today if you're going to build this you have to be committed to the pattern 
I thank God we sat and we talked about those old men at the table that were our heroes growing up. And I thank God for a generation of men like that that said this is the way that we're gonna build the church and this is the way that we're gonna do this. And you don't need to get rid of the pulpit and you don't need to get rid of the altar and you don't need to get rid of Bible preaching. You don't need to get rid of standards and convictions. No, just stick with the pattern. Everything's trendy now. Trendy. I am the most untrendy person you've ever met in your life. I believe everything, everything's trends. Everything's trends. Used to be everything was double-breasted suits. And that went away and it was three-breasted suits, three-button suits. And it's two-button suits. What's wrong with the double-breasted? But why, why do you change it? Huh? What? what? And, and nobody's original anymore. That's right. Right? Somewhere, some guy decided I'm going to preach in a turtleneck, and next thing you know, you got a thousand guys preaching a turtleneck. <laughs> huh? And somewhere, somebody said, you know, I think it'd be cool to get rid of the pulpit and have a yeah. bar stool and a little table. And now everybody's got a bar stool and a little table. Huh? They're just following trends, is all they're doing. God never called you to be trendy. Be trendy. Know how to be hip. Know how to be cool. Look, look at this. Look at First Chronicles twenty-eight. Hold, hold your finger right here. First Chronicles twenty-eight. Let me show you something tonight. First Chronicles twenty-eight. Pray for me. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get into First Chronicles twenty-eight. Look at verse eleven. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch, and of the houses thereof, and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof, and of the inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the mercy seat, and the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit, by the courts of the house of the Lord, and of all the chambers round about, of the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries of the dedicated things. David sat Solomon down and said, one day God is going to allow you to build a temple, and this is how you are going to build it. This is what you're going to do. Well, where did David get the plan from? Well, well look at verse number 19. Verse 19, and all this said David, the Lord, the Lord hath made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. David said, this is not just my idea, Solomon. I got this idea from God. God gave it to me. And you don't build this on your own ideas. No, you take the heritage that you were given and you build on that. And I want to put it in the hearts of another generation that's coming behind me that the pattern is still good. I, I, I'm not interested in offending anybody and if I am, I, 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 I apologize. But too many churches have found a different way to do church. You know, we found a different pattern. We found a different way of doing church. And we like the contemporary music. And we're not going to divide over issues like the King James Bible. And we don't believe you ought to preach and make people uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you something. You can build a lot of things with that. But you're not going to build that, this, or that. Do, do, do you like what is here? Do you like having a preacher who doesn't correct the Bible and go to the Greek and the Hebrew, who's not afraid to rip your hide when you need it? Do you like knowing that your family is in a safe place? Do you like knowing that the Spirit of God will move and will speak to your heart? Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a pattern. There's a blueprint. There is a plan for that. It takes people who are committed. They are committed to the pattern. Come back to 1 Kings 5. Here's my fourth thing. I hurry. What does it take to build a great church? It takes people who will contribute their service. Look at verse 6. 
And therefore command thou that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon. My servants shall be with thy servants, and unto thee will I give hire for thy servants, according to all that thou shalt appoint. Thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Zidonians. When you read about the building of the temple, you read about a lot of material, a lot of manpower. If I counted right, I think there were over 100,000 workers that had their hands in the project. And that takes organization, takes leadership, takes servants. A lot of toiling, a lot of sweat. A lot of bloody hands, a lot of tired backs, a lot of wore out bodies, a lot of people sacrificing their time. Make no mistake, it was a lot of work. And everybody didn't get to do the same thing. If you're a stonemason, we don't really need you to try your hand at carpentry. And if you're skilled at carpentry, then let somebody else do the plumbing. Right? We just need you to find out what you can do, what you're good at, what is needed. And be satisfied with that. I love to watch how God brings people into a church to meet the needs of that body. I believe that God gifts every one of us. And he gives you gifts for the edifying of the body. And I believe that when this church needs something, that there's probably already somebody here that God has put here to meet that need. I'm not against this preacher, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Some churches have the philosophy that if we need a position, then immediately let's go to the Bible college and let's hire a young man here. I'm not, I'm not against that. Okay? Please, please don't misunderstand. You know, if we need a music man, then we've got to hire a music man. If we need a youth pastor, then we've got to go hire a youth pastor. I, I, just, I, just, I think a better philosophy I think a better philosophy is that God has already placed in this body what you need. If you need a music man, there's probably somebody sitting here, may not be polished, but he can learn. If you need somebody to work with the juniors or the seniors, there's probably somebody sitting here that if you just give him an opportunity, he probably could do that. Oh, he might have to learn a little bit, but that's fine. You don't need to look outside of the body, I believe God puts inside the body what is needed. I had a family in our church, Hannon's Kim Hannon. Kim Hannon, very talented, very, very talented. One of the things Kim Hannon did for us, she was our church pianist, and, and one of the things she did, she handled all of our decorations, all of our flower arrangements and centerpieces. And, and I, I never did care, and I'll, I'll look here real quickly. I, yeah, I, I never did care for... Um, Funeral arrangements, you know what I'm talking about? I just never did care for that. I like things nice, and she always did that. Boy, back in the summer, they moved to San Diego. And I thought, well, who's, who's going to do this? Who, 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 who's going to fill this in? We had a family move from Pennsylvania, retired state trooper. They retired, and he moved to Milton, Florida to be in our church. And um, they moved our church, and they hadn't been there for just a few weeks. And um, I come home one Sunday night just after the Hannons had left. And, man, who's going to do all these arrangements? And my wife said, you know Donna Norris, she does interior decorating. I said, really? And she showed me some pictures of flower arrangements that she did. It was just beautiful, just, just gorgeous. And I said, praise the Lord. So I walked up and I said, welcome to your new ministry. This is why God has put you here. You need to hire this out. It, 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 it's already here. In verse number 8 and verse number 6, Solomon says, Everybody knows that nobody can hew timber like the Sidonians. So in that particular area, there is somebody who is better at it than you. 
And you have to be content to follow somebody else. And let someone else be good at something that you might not be good at. If it is, if I'm not in charge, I'm not involved, you can't have that kind of attitude. You can't have, it's my way or the highway. No, you've got to be able to take orders. You've got to be able to submit to somebody else. You have to be contribute where you are able. God uses people who are willing to contribute their service. Let me give you the last thing tonight. What does it take to build a great church? It takes people who will credit God for what is accomplished. Look at verse 7. It came to pass when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be Solomon. No, no. Blessed be the Lord. He's not even a Christian. But he recognizes God's hand in this great work. And chapter 8 is the inaugural service of the temple. They bring that Ark of the Covenant into that place. They've rebuilt every piece of furniture from the tabernacle except the Ark. When they brought that Ark in, the Bible says that that cloud filled that temple. And Solomon stood to address the congregation for the first time. His first Recorded words in the temple is in chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Solomon, the Lord, the Lord. Verse 15, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. I am sure that people came up to Solomon and said, Solomon, congratulations. Solomon, you have done a magnificent work. And I'm sure Solomon said, no, wait a minute. It wasn't me. It was the Lord. If we're going to praise anybody tonight, we're going to praise the Lord. Are you okay tonight if nobody ever knows your name? Is it okay if you serve and nobody notices? Would you be offended if you gave and nobody recognized it? If you would be a part of building something great, then you have to be willing to let God have the glory. But if you and I can say, God did this, to God be the glory. God has used people who have a continual love for the Father, people who have conquered the flesh, people who are committed to the pattern, people who have contributed to service, people who give credit to God for anything that is accomplished. Are you that kind of person? Are you the kind of person that God could use to build Bible Baptist Church? To be able to take this thing to the next generation. Would you join hands with your brothers and sisters and say, I want to be the kind of person that God could use? I'm going to tell you something. Your children need this church. Your grandchildren desperately need this church. I'll show you one verse and I'm done. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. I'm done. I'm done. Look at verse 8. Hiram sent to Solomon saying, I consider the things which thou sentest to me for, and I will do all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. Hiram said, I've considered what you've asked of me, and I'll do it. Solomon the king has requested something of Hiram 
He said, I want your help. And Hiram says, I've considered it and I will do it. Would you be able to say to God, I've considered what you ask and I'll do it. God may require of you something that he doesn't require of anybody else. But whatever you ask, I'll do it. But watch this. He shall do all thy desire. Verse 9. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon into the sea. I'll convey them by sea and float into their place that thou should appoint me. I'll cause them to be discharged there that thou should receive them. And thou shalt accomplish my desire. Hiram said, King, consider what you ask of me. And I'll help you to build that temple. But I've got something to ask of you. What is it? Thou should accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. I'll dedicate myself to help you build the temple. But would you take care of my family? I don't need riches. I don't need you to name the building after me. But would you supply the needs of my household? My reward tonight is not in pastoring a church. It is not in going out and preaching in churches. My desire tonight is, Lord, would you take care of my family? And while I dedicate my life to your church, would you bless my home? And tonight, would you bless Jacob and Anna? And tonight, would you visit that little home where Andrew and Megan are? And would you touch my son, Parker? Would you encourage my wife? Would you put your hand upon my grandchildren? Would you supply the needs of my household? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder if you'd come tonight, opening night of revival, to say, Lord, thank you for my church. Thank you that I'm part of a great church. And would you be the kind of person tonight that when God needs somebody, some gifted person, would he be able to look at you and say, I could use that person right there. Would you come tonight? Lord, bless my family tonight. Bless my children. Save my grandchildren. Bless my wife tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of preaching tonight. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Brother Gravely, the great testimony that this church has around the country. It's because of the people that sit here. And I pray that you'd bless them tonight. I pray that you'd multiply them more than they could dream. I don't know if it's financial. That they, I don't know what needs that they have. But I pray that you'd supply those needs. I pray that you'd bless these families trying to raise our children and our grandchildren the best that we can in this crooked and perverse world. And we desperately need the help of the grace of God. So please, tonight, would you visit our homes? Would you bless our children tonight? Bless this church tonight for the gravity's coming.